You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. A bride's dress expresses her style, her fashion, her personality. It reveals a lot about her. I mean, it almost sounds a little excessive, a little obsessive, borderline neurotic. But according to verse 8, we should be a little more attentive to this because after all, our good works here on earth will be what we wear in heaven at the marriage supper. We're not saved by works, but by Jesus. However, Pastor Dion shares today that our works do make a difference. Can you imagine if a bride didn't care how she dressed for her wedding? If she didn't shower or put on clean clothes, brush her hair, or put any attention into getting ready? What would that say about her affections towards her future husband? If you and the believers around you are the bride of Christ, what are you doing to prepare for that wedding banquet with the Lord? Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Revelation chapter 1 as he continues his message, Jesus 2.0. Babylon the Great will fall. Everybody say, crash! Crash! They've put their fist in God's face, a world of rebels saying, do your worst, we're going to survive it. And God says, oh, really? And he pours out the bold judgments. And Babylon the Great will fall. The kingdom that was supposed to keep all these rebels safe and secure, is it crashes. God hits them with painful sores, scorching heat. He'll cut off the water and the food and the power. The lights will go out in heaven. I'm not just talking about the electric company. I'm talking black. And here's Revelation chapter 16 tells us the the grand finale of this judgment that God will pour out. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided, talking about Babylon the Great, was divided into three parts. It just toppled. And the cities of the nations fell. And the great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And a great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent, a hundred pounds. Men blasphemed God because of the plague and of the hail, since the plague, that it, that was, it was exceedingly great. Everybody say, wow. So here is this, this whole world of rebels who have hardened their heart towards God and they have sold out exclusively to Satan, the Antichrist. And they they basically told God, we don't need you, we don't want you, we can survive your worst. And then God pours out this final bowls 
I tell you, and it's pretty severe. I mean, it's serious. At first, the lights go out. The earth shakes with such uh, an earthquake that has never been felt. So severe that islands sink into the water. Wow. The earth almost falls off of its access. Everything goes dark. He's reminding them who's God. <laughs> right? The city that the Antichrist and his followers called heaven on earth is decimated. And Satan is humiliated and embarrassed. In fact, he probably told his sidekick, the false prophet, I looked like a fool last night. The way Nacho tells Skeleto, I looked like a fool last night. Satan, posing as Antichrist, and all of his followers will feel the shame and pain of the beatdown. But instead of surrendering to God, they want this. Everybody say it out loud. Payback. You've got to be kidding. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got to be kidding. You think with such a severe judgment, there is no denying that he is sovereign God. But they, they, they don't give up. They say, we want payback. Satan and the Antichrist at that point threatened God with war. They promised to unite the world's armies and destroy Israel. You know, they're your people. We're going to just come in here. We're going to decimate them. And you dare show your face and we'll take care of you too. That's the attitude. Those are some serious threats. Everybody say serious threats. You and I can be intimidated by the devil's bullying, by his threats, by his persecution. I mean, Satan growls and roars and is sometimes successful at scaring us into a panic. But the devil's threats don't scare the Lord. Isn't that awesome? That was a good place to, to, to clap and cheer, right? But, but, but you missed it. Stop. You missed it. At this point... As the devil is are swearing, they're going to take, you know, they're, they're going to get payback. They're going to get revenge and clear out Israel and hope that you just show your face so we can take care of you. As the devil's making those threats, God doesn't even give them a second thought. And instead of God heading to the war room to strategize what he's going to do, he heads to a banquet room to party. He's not worried. Sometimes we read the book of Revelation, we get all panicked and worried. Guess what? God's not worried. In fact, let's read the passage, chapter 19, starting with verse 1. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments. Because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants that were shed by her. Again they said, Hallelujah! And her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen! Hallelujah! Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you His servants and those who fear Him, both small and great. 
And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, everybody say it out loud, Alleluia, which means praise to God. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory. For the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is, everybody out loud, the righteous acts of the saints. So, as the devil's making his threats to God, God doesn't even listen to the threats. He just steps away and goes to this party. And what we see here, what's described, is that heaven will be filled with all true believers. Everybody say, how many? All true believers. The people who died before, uh, you, you know, uh, before the rapture of the church. The people, all the, all the believers who died before the rapture of the church. Then all the believers who get taken up in the rapture of the church. And then all the believers who died during the tribulation period. They're all there. Everybody said, they're what? They're all there. They're all there. And John said he saw all the true church in heaven cheering our God. That's what he describes. For leveling the kingdom of the Antichrist. John saw them all praising. Everybody said aloud what? Praise. In fact, we even heard their praises. And what he described is that he saw a rocking praise team. Because somebody said from the, from, 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 from the throne, somebody shouted, Hallelujah! So he hears a rocking praise team and choir, and they're singing, Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other. Our God, everybody said what? Our God! That's what they're singing, our God! It's going to be beautiful, isn't it? Maybe you thought heaven was going to be boring and uneventful. But rocking worship concerts and parties is what we see here. So some of you people that don't know how to party, don't know how to praise, you better learn, you know. You better start doing it because you ain't setting any wood on fire here. Start doing it. Look at your neighbor and say, start doing it. Start practicing. Now everyone, John says he saw in heaven, everyone celebrating something described as the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a term used to describe Jesus and the church's wedding reception. We all know that the church has been called various times in Scripture, the bride of Christ. Say it out loud, the what? The bride of Christ. Well, wait a minute. Well, if the bride got raptured and taken up, and, you know, those are the, the believers, then why? I, I mean, now they're united with the groom. He came to catch them away and take them to the Father's house. How come the marriage supper didn't start right away? Right? Why does it wait, you know, three and a half years, almost seven years before it happens? Huh? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Not everyone was there. There was still the, the believers who died during the tribulation period because of their faith. He was waiting till they're all there. You want to know why? Because there is a nameplate placket at your seat waiting for you at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Can you say amen? Right. And He won't start without you. It's pretty cool, right? 
All right, so the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to start, and, and the church is the bride of Christ. And, and you know, it, it, it's really interesting. But here's what it says. In fact, Jesus told us that, you know, we should be ready for the, for the rapture of the church. We should be ready for that. And then in this verse that we read, it said that our righteous works on earth will be our wedding garments in heaven. Everybody say it out loud. Our what? Our righteous works on earth will be our wedding garments in heaven. Now, if you didn't know already, wedding dresses are pretty darn important to brides. Mm -hmm. See, wedding dresses are supposed to accentuate and spotlight and underscore the bride. There are silhouette styles to choose from. A-line, ball gown, mermaid, column, and empire. There are necklines to choose from. Halter, off the shoulder, scoop, square, boat, and V. There are fabrics to pick, like brocade and chiffon and georgette and satin and silk and tulle. A bride's dress expresses her style, her fashion, her personality. It reveals a lot about her. I mean, it almost sounds a little excessive, a little obsessive, borderline neurotic. But according to verse 8, we should be a little more attentive to this because after all, our good works here on earth will be what we wear in heaven at the marriage supper. Right? Our wedding duds in heaven will reflect the righteous acts that we did here on earth. So unless you want to look as sexy as a goat with socks on up there in heaven, you had better step up the righteous works. Look at your neighbor and say, step it up, man, step it up. I mean, you don't want to be the most underdressed person in heaven. Now, while we're partying at the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven, God's there, it's, it's beautiful. Remember, Satan had threatened that he was going to take out Israel. So that's what he's doing. Satan, at this point, he's preparing on earth to dethrone God and take out all of God's people. And in fact, he will gather all the armies of the world to invade and destroy Israel and hope that God shows up so they can take him out too. Over two million soldiers will funnel into the valley of Armageddon the, the valley of Jezreel, the, the valley of slaughter is what it's called in the Hebrew. And once Satan and the Antichrist and the armies of the world are all gathered in the valley of Armageddon for the face-off, which I might go ahead and tell you this up front, the valley of Armageddon was named way before this battle ever took place. God already had it all, the script has already been written, and you know who wins. But anyway, hey, before we go on there, the Antichrist will have all of his, his armies in the valley of Armageddon. And that's when Jesus will make the biggest, baddest stage entrance ever. Complete with universal pyrotechnic show. I mean, there will be lightnings and thunders and a hundred pound meteor shower. And the earth is going to shake, like I said, almost off its axis. It's almost as if the universe is saying, there he is, and he is God. In fact, listen to how Jesus described that event himself. 
Luke 21, verse 25, and here's what it says. And there will be strange signs in the sun and the moon and stars. And here on earth the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in heaven will be shaken. Read this part out loud with me. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation has, is near. Wow. It's pretty cool. So in the face of the Antichrist, and his threats to dethrone God. Jesus breaks through the clouds. The attention of the entire world will be captured. It said, every eye will see him. Everybody say it out loud. What? Every eye. Do you know that 40 years ago, that wouldn't, that, that isn't, wouldn't be true? 40 years ago, not everyone would be able to see an event through, from the sky. But now with media... Television, live internet, everyone, no matter where you are, will see Him. That's why this is the generation in which the rapture will take place. Look at your neighbor and say, wow, be excited, right? Only this generation of technology is the one where every eye could see Him. And here's what it says, when they, the, the, you know, the Antichrist and his followers, when they see him, when the rebels who threaten war see him, they will mourn and cry in terror. Because this is not the meek and mild Savior that came the first time. They thought they got, we can take that guy. Huh? We took him before. We nailed him to a cross. It's not Him. He is no longer the humble and submissive prophet who surrendered to the cross. No, 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 no. This, who shows up as the warrior king followed by ten thousands times ten thousands of His saints. In fact, let's read it in verse 11. Here's what it says. You guys aren't getting bored, are you? Wow. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And He who sat on Him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dripped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in the heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses." Now out of his mouth went a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations of the rebels. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepresses of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. It's awesome. Yeah, cheer! Wow, Jesus! The warrior king! We saw him as the Savior of the world in the past. We see Him as the head of the church in the present. And He will be displayed as the warrior king in the future. Jesus is almighty. Watch what happens next. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God 
that you may eat the flesh of the kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and all those who sit on them and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. Wow. Talking about the Antichrist and his armies. He's just going to decimate them completely and the vultures will sweep in. If you ever wondered why God would create such an ugly bird, this is why. Clean up. Clean up. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and the armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, the Antichrist and Satan behind him, is captured, and the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he decided those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone and the rest were killed with a sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse and all the birds were filled with their flesh. Wow. Everybody say, wow. Jesus, the almighty warrior king, is going to come and he is going to reclaim the earth. He will put down the squatter Satan once and for all. Everybody say it out loud. What? Once and for all. And then, Jesus will set up a temporary earthly kingdom. It's called the millennial reign of Christ because it will last for a thousand years. So Jesus will break through the clouds. He will come and decimate the armies and the rebels. And here's what He does. He'll put His foot on the Mount of Olives which is just as adjacent of Jerusalem. And the mountain will break open. And a great valley will open up. And a great river will begin to pour. River with the water of life. That it will grow fruit trees on each side. Fruit like you've never seen. Trees that grow multiple and different kinds of fruit in every season. Isn't that awesome, guys? It's so awesome. And the earth will revert to the way it was before the fall, before sin and death. We have seen Jesus. It's the foundation of our faith in the past as Savior of the world, in the present as the head of the church, waiting to take us all home. And then He will be presented as the warrior king who puts the enemy down once and for all and sets up his kingdom here on earth. It's a beautiful picture. Yeah. Awesome. Who said Revelation was hard to understand? Right? Wow. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this time that we got to spend together listening to your word and learning about Jesus. We, our confidence, our faith is secure because we know who Jesus is we know what He's done for us. We know what He is doing for us. And we know what will happen in the end. And we're so secure in that. Father, thank You for building our faith on truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make His face to smile on you this week, be gracious to you, and give you peace. And may the beauty of the Lord be upon you and may He establish all the works of your hands. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us here as Pastor Dion Cordova has brought you The Simple Truth. In this series, Pastor Dion has been exploring the foundations of the Christian faith. What is it that makes us who we are? 
what separates us from the rest of the world. Jesus made it pretty clear when he was talking to his disciples in John 13:35, saying, By this all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. <laughs> that might be a foundational truth, but it's not an easy one. Consider the disciples. They all came from different walks of life. Jesus brought together a zealot and a tax collector who were quite simply enemies. Then he told them to love each other. What does that look like in your life? Do you know that love is to be your defining characteristic? That means wherever you are, whatever church you walk into, no matter if they look differently or do things differently, love is what you're called to do. If you're looking for a community dedicated to that principle, come and see us. The Simple Truth is a ministry out of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel in Española, New Mexico. We have services Sunday mornings at 9 or 11, and if you'd like to jump into a Bible study with us midweek, come by this Wednesday evening at 7. We'd love to have you. All this information and more can be found at tmcalvary.com. Once again, that's tmcalvary.com. Head on over there now and check it out. We're at the end of our time today, but we hope to see you again when we come back with The Simple Truth. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together we stand.